Welcome, spooks and creeps, to our assortment of devilry. We will question your reality, tug at the taboo, and follow the white rabbit into the abyss. Leave sanity at the door and only bring superstitions, for now you're in the hands of our host. Enjoy the show. <laughs> Hey, creeps. What's going on, guys? This is weird. I've never introduced an episode before. Uh, we're here with uh, the lovely Trina. Say hi, guys. Cody. Hi, guys. Good evening. There we go. And uh, who are we calling tonight? Yeah. <laughs> we go, Cody? Small it. Town Monsters, author, star, film creator, and part dogman, Aaron Deese. Hello. Part what part, Hello. though? That's what I want. The bottom part, because we can't see part. it. <laughs> I've got a mask around here somewhere. There it is. Can't reach it, though. Um, um, hello. Yes, my name is Aaron. I'm very excited to be here. Yeah. Thanks hello. for coming Thank out. You. Thank you so, so much for coming out. We were chatting before we started this beautiful intro, and I think it's going to be a fun episode. And <laughs> I hope so. questions. Well, I only have one, but, you know. <laughs> what was the same one that Cody had? Kind of, but not kind really. Of. If if I have a chance to express my question, I will. It's okay. one of those, it has to be the right kind of moment. Yeah, you don't want to have a list. Just go through the list. That's boring. Right. I like, you know, organic type questions. Yeah. So, well, Aaron, I do actually have one question. I just saw, I believe, on the socials that y'all hit your Kickstarter goal for Small Town Monsters. We did. Yes. Thank you. About... A little over 24 hours ago at time of, of this conversation. Yeah, we yeah. did hit the base funding goal. So thank you. Um, thank you to you guys. You've been sharing our stuff. And and I saw you on the backer list. Like, we're so grateful to you guys. So thank you. Uh, but we've hit the base funding goal. So all the rewards are locked in for all backers. And now we're making that push to the stretch goal so we can get uh, Cursed Waters added to the reward list. So yeah. nice. That has to happen. I'm fascinated with Ogopogo. So. We've definitely made that happen. So uh, how many actual projects are attached to this Kickstarter? Ooh, so there are five films. Um, there's, I'm going to mess this up, but here we go. There's Lost <laughs> Contact, uh, Dogman Territory, Werewolves in the Land Between the Lakes, uh, which I happen to be in, um, On the Trail of Bigfoot, The Ancients, uh, Cursed Waters, uh, Creature of Lake Okanagan, and uh, Goatman, Cryptid the Goatman. So there's five films. And then uh, we also have all the physical rewards, of course. And then mm -hmm. uh, the next book that I happen to be writing uh, will also be attached to it. You get the hardcover edition of Hunting Grounds, Dogmen of the Lakes. So there's a lot of different projects involved. Of course, Gene St. Gene's Goatman statue, yes. uh, all the artwork by Chelsea Lowe, the yeah. uh, hoodie and t-shirt by Jonathan Dodd, uh, uh, yeah, man, he's fantastic. Got his, got a bunch of his stuff actually all over this wall. But so there's a <laughs> lot too. of, yeah, right. Don't we all these days? Doesn't everybody? Uh, <laughs> somewhere, at least in our hearts, we all have Jonathan oh, yeah. Dodd's artwork on our walls. Uh, so there's a lot of different projects from artwork to, you know, the films to the book to just even the apparel that we're including this year. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's I know when great, I was great, promoting cool. it, I was pushing that people could just give you whatever name they wanted to roll in the credits and, you know, make it fun and make it weird. I used that little caption a couple of different times when I was promoting the original Kickstarter. Yeah, app. thank you. I'm like, y'all can tell them any name you want to see in those credits. Man. You can. If you read <laughs> the credits of some of the previous films, um, you'll there's some really interesting and fun names in there. I think I saw yeah. one that was like Big Bird bobby or something like that one time i don't know i'm saying i can't cite fun. the source but yeah <laughs> i'm cool with that. i was thinking we should just i noticed there. that this time around there was so that there was mo like a lot of projects and a lot of swag and a lot of top tier swag like y'all <laughs> listeners if you want to hit that stretch goal because this is dropping pretty quick after we record this get in there because some sweet sweet swag coming your way you it's know, some like really those, cool stuff. Yeah, cool. it was cool. Y'all always have cool stuff, but like I really actually, I was, you know, looking at it, of course, because I knew I was doing this. So I wanted to actually see, see, you know, <laughs> familiarize of just, yourself yeah, with their work. Oh, that shit's super dope. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I want that one. 
and I want that. Right, basically. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly how it is. Like I, I usually this is the third time I've done the the statue collector level, and I was looking at the next tier. I'm like, can I justify it? I don't know. I'm gonna have to go back and do something. But you know, it's it, there's so many great things, and the fact like I'm, I'm holding it in my hands here, the hardcover. Oh, you got yeah. it. So yeah, the hardcover <laughs> edition of your first book, which is amazing, by the way. And I don't just Thank say you. that because you're on here. I genuinely loved it. So I'm. Thank you. You're welcome, and I'm excited about it before. So he's not lying. Yeah, he's actually just, talked about your book before. So. It's just not not for the post a picture on social media and get famous kind of thing. No, like it it's well done. It's very, um, it's easy to read. You're you're not talking down to the reader. You're informative without being over people's heads. Like it's this perfect middle ground, and I, I think it it's hard to do that in this genre because it's either here's information or here's people just being goofy. So it's it's a nice balance. Thank you. You're Thank welcome. you. You're welcome. I'm really I'm excited to read the other Yeah, absolutely. Thank you very much. I sought to, if nothing else, make it somewhat entertaining, somewhat mm. interesting. So I'm really glad you enjoyed it. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome. Cody, you got anything there, buddy? With your muscly arms? <laughs> the arms. <laughs> he picks up a barrel. Yeah, I do. Oh, he just literally <laughs> walks in just all swag. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, y'all guys can see the sweat. I'm running around. Mm, I can smell crazy it. around the house with the kids. <laughs> I said that too when you were late. I'm like, he's got two small children. I know what's happening here. <laughs> yeah, we were just chilling. It was good. We were chatting. We missed you, chill. but it was all good. Sorry. <laughs> no, man. Legit. I was. I was fine. afraid. I, I was talking to Rick a couple hours ago. I was afraid I was going to have to cancel because Ezra was like going through this whole teething nightmare right now and today's just been one of those days and i was like you know if he's up with a fever screaming i can't no. do a podcast <laughs> right. well no it's we we all have kids and you know my <laughs> my almost 18 year old she just had to have surgery you know two days ago so it's those things like those things happen and you have to yeah. put everything else yeah. aside family comes first yeah. oh yeah and right yeah. for sure I appreciate you guys being yeah, absolutely. That's what I like. One of the things I like about my job, I get to do it while I hang out with him. But yeah. anyway, I don't know how we got here. Sorry. Yeah. You're all right. I like tangents. Well, first things first is when are we going to go hunting for Dogman? I mean, whenever you want, bro. We live like 15 minutes apart. Right. I'm ready. <laughs> Let me know when and we'll make it happen. Legit, dude. Yeah. There are some areas in San Antonio um, that I've had reports come out of or heard there might be potential reports in that area mm. um so there are a few places i'd be down to go and visit that we could just it wouldn't even take all that much time it's all in or around san antonio so i would probably believe it's in that kirby section of san antonio that's pretty sketchy over there there's <laughs> there's a couple areas like i got one and a lot of this i can't figure out how to put a sentence together right now a lot of this i found out about after i wrote the first book like just from it kind of being chattered about in certain circles i had messages from people um, one was north of 1604 up around 281 stone oak parkway area mm -hmm. um and to most people listening to this that probably won't make any sense but and then another one <laughs> another one was down near the train tracks very close to what is now downtown but this sighting was circa the 50s when it was still very underdeveloped and that was kind of the edge of the city as i understand it from speaking to this witness so um there's a few places to go and visit and at least take pictures and be like, this is the location of a sighting. Yeah. So mm -hmm. 1604 and 281, whenever I was a kid, that was like completely not developed at all. Mm -hmm. um, and I live on 1604 now. So it, even as of like five years ago, I was driving to work and there'd be deer crossing the freeway because mm -hmm. it's still so, um, you know, it's still newly developed that, yeah, they're, the, the wildlife hasn't really picked up on it yet. So yeah, I can now it's in that. Now it's an urban industrial nightmare as of like today, but like even 10 years ago, it wasn't that much developed, at least compared to what it is now. Bulverde Road was basically nothing. And again, these locations probably mean nothing to most people listening, but um, it's just an example of very rapid urbanization in an area where there is some reported cryptid activity. So that's. And do yeah, you think that's why there's more sightings these days? Like for sure, we're building over their habitats and whatnot. I would say so. Um, you know, uh, I believe Cliff Barockman, and if I'm misquoting and not accrediting the right person, and I apologize, but said that, you know, to have a Bigfoot sighting, you have to have Bigfoot, you have to have people. Mm -hmm. um, 
So it's the same with Dogman. You have to have the phenomena. You have to have people present to witness it. So, you know, I right. think so. It's, it's like that stat they just came out with. Well, Bigfoot are sighted where black bear populations are. Well, duh, that's where large apex predators are. That's yeah. where they're going to be. And people are seeing it's just absurd. It's like that correlation and not causation kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of an inevitability. Like, where do ghost sightings happen? Well, they happen in buildings. They happen in places where people are visiting. You know, like mm. historical areas and and uh, the sites of sightings happen the wherever world. there are human eyes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. you. Know. That's where I was trying to get. You got there. <laughs> Sorry, I just kind of hopped over. <laughs> no, that was perfect. I was probably going to go down some winding road about UFOs next, but that's that fine. Right. Hold on, no, yeah, hold on there. <laughs> Put uh, write that down, Cody. We'll come back to UFOs. We'll come back to Whitley Strieber on UFOs. Because oh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm from Michigan, and where my family resides to this day, there are a lot of dog band stories. Now, I grew up in the swamps behind my dad's house, and he says he's never seen nothing bad out there but nothing like that but my sister's neighbor swears he saw dog man. and this is western michigan claire area you know he, he's got a bomb ass story about it so it's very prevalent up there too but that's not very built up there there's no industry there's no there's maybe one factory every like maybe one factory you know like it's hmm. over there is a land of a million, every town has a little lake. My dad lives on a little lake. Five miles over, there's another little lake. You know, like it's just that kind of area. And, but there's so many, I hear way more dogman sightings and dogman stories when I visit home than I do Bigfoot or Sasquatch, I'll say that. Although mm -hmm. that is the area that the bat squatch story came from. The two hunters that were in the, the blind and the bat Bigfoot with the bat wings lifted them out. Growing up in Michigan, growing up with deer camps, I already know that story's bullshit. That was two hunters. <laughs> <laughs> I know they how those people didn't want are. to admit to the wives <laughs> what happened. My mom, my my mom once packed my dad's socks in his rifle case. So when he called three days later and said, "Baby, forgot to pack socks." I know what happens at deer camp. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I don't buy the bat squatch sighting at all. The minute they said it, it was two hunters in a blind, I'm like, yeah, buddy. <laughs> well, okay. Well, we're talking about Dogman specifically. It is one of those things that was difficult for me to take seriously. And, I, and Aaron, I think you said that at the beginning of your book, like you felt the same way initially. Mm -hmm. me too. And then you, and I've talked to a lot of people about this, you know, in the, in the recent past where I can't dismiss people's experiences any longer. That's really yeah. what it comes down to. They're experiencing something and it's not normal. So Th that's precisely it. Yeah. yeah. And we talk about where these sightings occur and it's very often, you know, natural areas or, uh, national parks uh ranch lands places that are protected or maybe privately owned but there aren't mm. a lot of eyes on them but then you do hear about urban sightings like the ones we mentioned in san antonio a little while ago um mm -hmm. and so they for the most part they seem to take place in areas where we would expect to find large animals but the pervading aspect that seems to come up in almost every single encounter is this very negative impression that it leaves on the mm. witnesses you know and that's that's where it becomes difficult to dismiss the human experience. Like when you talk to somebody like Martin Groves, who's got a 30 year law enforcement career dealt with the mm -hmm. absolute worst that humanity has to offer, you know, homicides, human trafficking, all that stuff. Um, and he sees one of these things and it changes him for the rest of his life. That means something, you know? Mm -hmm. So, and that's just one example. I could, I could pull a few more out if we wanted to, but that's the thing. It's those human experiences that you can't just write off and go, oh, well, you just saw a dog or, oh, mm -hmm. you were just you were just tired or you were just drunk, which is a whole other conversation. Or, oh, you just my my favorite. You just saw a Bigfoot. <laughs> maybe, but right. maybe that's a different conversation. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, it, it's like they I, I just listened to an episode of Cryptids of the Corn where they were talking about um, hyenas and how that like hyenas are actually native to north america they were extinct long before humans arrived but you know there could be um 
relict populations of those. And that's yeah. what some people are seeing. Like it's, there are so many things out there that it could be, you know, it's just, it's fascinating to think about it. And we so, do get a lot of those descriptions where they say hyena like, so yeah, sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Oh, I was going to ask. So my first experience about hearing about the dog man, of course, I didn't believe in really didn't give Bigfoot too much thought uh, until I, I lived and worked in East Texas for four years. And people would tell me these stories <laughs> about Bigfoot, like actual encounters. And then uh, Dogman gets rolled into there as well. So this is up near, uh, you know, Longview, Tyler, going over towards Shreveport, East, like Northeast Texas, uh, Louisiana. And I've always, I'm, I've always been curious about the line between what the Louisiana people call a Rougarou, you know, to what the East Texas people call a Dogman. Of course, Rougarou kind of sounds, you know, when when you start hearing the description, it's it's borderline werewolf kind of a thing like my uncle was cursed or something like that you would hear that mm -hmm. but then in, in in east texas which you know we're talking 30 miles from the border there are stories of like two dogmen pacing a guy's truck at 60 miles per hour mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um so I, i've always wondered have you seen any kind of relation between those two universes right there between the the, the dogman and the rougarou yeah. And that's a really interesting question, because where is that line? You know, like you said, if we see one in Texas, we call it a Texan dog, man. At least that's what I call them in my head. But if we're in Louisiana, it's a Rougarou, you know, and the Rougarou is generally it, there are a lot of interpretations of it. There's the idea of it being like a kind of a natural guardian of something that's tied to the earth. There's the idea of it being a witch or a warlock, you know, a person that can take on this this otherworldly shape. Um it's not just one thing based on what I've read and, you know, small town monsters did a great documentary on it. Um, I didn't help make that one. I just think it's a great movie. That was before my time, but Dogman, a lot of people in the cryptozoology community very much think of it as a flesh and blood creature. And I've seen a lot of interesting discourse online where people will say basically werewolves don't exist, but Dogman is a real thing. And that's an interesting concept to me when mm. we're already dealing in the unknown, you know, to try to put it in those boxes. Um, and that, again, might be a separate conversation, the separation between the terms dogman and werewolf. But it, you almost have to ask, how could there not be a relationship? You know, when we're talking about a dog walking on two legs. Yeah. Right. Like how many me, of those are there? Yeah. OK, firstly, every myth starts somewhere. There's a germ. There's a seed of truth to every mythology out there. We know that that's a fact. You know, so I sometimes feel like when I listen to all of this and no disrespect to anybody at all, but it all seems to me like a bunch of different words to describe exactly the same phenomenon. Yes. Yes. You know? And I think I hope no one is upset by this idea, but I think there's a tendency of some in the research community, whether it's UFOs, ghosts, cryptids, astral projection, you know, druidic traditions, whatever. Um well, I shouldn't put Druidic traditions in the same category as all of that. That's that's not appropriate. <clears throat> but, you know, any any of this stuff that we're all very passionate about, I think there's a tendency on our part to say this is that or that is this. Like with the Bigfoot yeah. thing a moment ago, you know, if I'm going to say as a researcher, yeah, I know you're saying you saw a werewolf, but werewolves don't exist and what you actually saw is Bigfoot when I don't even know exactly what Bigfoot is. Mm hmm. One, you're downplaying the experience that that person's had who mustered up the courage to say to you out loud, I saw a werewolf. Like, it's a lot easier to say I saw Bigfoot. Yeah. At least that's right. something people have heard of, you know. It's almost more socially acceptable to see Bigfoot than well, Doc. It sure. is. I can I can attest to that in my professional life. I was in, so I, I work in um, distribution. I'm an outside sales rep and I was in one of my stores in Bigfoot came up and they told me they saw Bigfoot across a lake behind a tree. And no one in my professional setting would ever say, you know, I saw a dog man. You know, I don't think that would be the same thing. It would, it's totally different because you yeah. don't have, you know, it's, there's a camp that is flesh and blood Bigfoot. And that camp is not the same as supernatural dog man. I think mm -hmm. they're two different things for sure. Yeah. But and is dog is... man supernatural? Do you think he's supernatural? I if 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 he is real yes if dogman is real i believe so yeah it has to be supernatural in my opinion <laughs> cutting to the chase and that's such a you know and i'm i'm 
this is one of those things I go back and forth on every single day. You know, I'll spend an hour working on a chapter about the the natural animal behaviors that seem to be mirrored in dogman encounters. And then I'm very much like, these are animals. They've got to be animals. Mm. And then the next day I work on a chapter that's about the opposite, that looks at the spectral side of things. And and then right. I'm like, these are something from the beyond the veil of reality. There's no way that these things are animals. And yet these reports consistently, you know, have both of these attributes. Some are much more on the spectral side. Some are much more on the zoological quote unquote side. I might be using that term loosely. And then a lot of them overlap. So it's like, can that be a normal animal? I don't know. I don't know. I think that's what bugs me about the Dogman legend so much is I really, again, I really like things to make sense, you know? And I understand that things are never always going to make sense. But... <laughs> so you... I don't know if you're in the with dog right man, like you just field. said. No, just sometimes <laughs> I look at the stories and I'm like, he's acting like a dog, and sometimes he's acting like a man. So I guess that's why he's dog man. I don't know. <laughs> I just, it, I think that's why I always have had. I don't want to say a distaste because I love, I love the stories, you know. But I hate when I start trying to wrap my brain around it because the behaviors and the stories are very contradictory, like you just said, and. Mm-hmm then it makes me want I don't then my brain goes down all sorts of rabbit holes and like now are we getting into different species are like we getting into you know some are exactly. some aren't exactly because I can I can make what I feel in my mind is a reasonably compelling case that these could be animals you know like we see dogs right. that can learn to walk on two legs that's a thing oh um, for sure Usually it's it's an adapted or well, it's always an adapted or learned behavior because it's not built naturally into their anatomy. But we do even see examples of it in nature where canines that are injured or deformed will learn to move around on two legs. Mm-hmm. So then it's like, OK, if this is an adapted behavior, why? Why did they do this? And why has based on the eyewitness descriptions, why does this animal seem to have adapted to not only be able to walk on two legs, but to actually be comfortable doing so? Because we hear accounts of them walking, sprinting, sometimes scaling cliffs or even trees. So why? Why? (laughs) Is it evolution? And, you know, are we watching evolution in progress? Like, you know, crazy, you know, that because that's where I start going. Like, why are they adapting into, you know, that? Right. Like, like it's a, is it a planet of the apes situation? Like, Oh God. Like, <laughs> which could actually fix a lot of society's problems. I've been thinking oh, about this. Sure. Oh yeah. If we just, I'm just if waiting we, for it. Come on, man. <laughs> yeah, if, we, if we just arm the apes, plant fruit everywhere, turn them loose in the streets and kick back for a couple generations. We're talking full blown planet of the apes. We don't have to do nothing. Let the orcas destroy the boats. going to say, Aaron, yeah. let me subscribe to your newsletter. <laughs> i think i mentioned this to you guys before we hit record but most of my conversations are with a one-year-old so yeah that might be where that, Get that came from yes yeah. we'll try to talk slower <laughs> use gibberish thank you can we refer to you as data would that be okay i think oh, that's yeah. fine all right let's make it <laughs> you know might make everyone more comfortable we'll see i don't know i'm certainly more comfortable now I always, I always like to make things weird because I, <laughs> I feel that's where like you get the the you know the most honest answers whenever you you, you just throw out the weirdness mm-hmm. so like if we go back whatever the like sumerian text and all that you know some you know there's even writings in there where some that they say the anunnaki were like a a mix between like a reptilian and a human and then of course, in the Egyptian lore, you have Thoth that comes back, and he's a dog man. I mean, basically a, a human upright body, but at the head of a dog. We're going supernatural here, but we're also going mythology. But, you know, all this is on cuneiform tablets uh, that's much older than anything we know right now. What are your thoughts about that? What if it could be just this underlying race or civilization that chooses not to be discovered, but always kind of, oh, accidentally came out and you saw me? kind of a thing because you know you 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 do have the you know the uh was it was it the skateboard swamp monster was was a lizard lizard man of skateboard swamp yeah Yeah. you have that right there you have the dog man you know some of the stuff eyewitnesses from whatever uh sumeria working with half lizard people egyptians working with dog people what are your thoughts on that well, first, I just want to know if you stole my notes, but <laughs> for the for the book I'm presently finishing. But oh. no, yeah, there's a lot of precedent for 
the the canine human hybrid archetype in ancient literature. Um, a lot of people like to talk about King Lycoan of Greek mythology, which I am more and more of the opinion is a separate thing. It's an allegory about cannibalism and humans yeah. and morality and stuff. Um, but you do, you do see that form in Egyptian mythology. You see it in uh, Sumerian mythology, which is something I spent a lot of time researching for this book. Um, it comes up a lot in different parts of Europe. You know, it's it's something that's been with us for a very long time. The term werewolf originates, it looks like, in the 1500s somewhere. But, you know, people were talking about and depicting images of these things way, 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 way before that. Like Cody said, as far back as we can go. So <clears throat> as to the nature of that, does that mean, like you said, some kind of a civilized race? I, my tendency is to say no, or at least not at present. You know, a lot of these classical depictions, we do see them wearing clothes or they're in like a godlike position or, you know, there kind of seems to be some crossover with like the ancient aliens line of speculation. But then any modern sightings that we have, they they appear as and behave like animals. When we're talking about the European werewolf of the Middle Ages, um, we're talking about something that is very steeped in black magic and dark mythology, but not necessarily excuse me not necessarily a race or anything that's civilized or organized at least not that i've encountered now there is this idea of the cynocephali which are basically exactly what cody's talking about like a race of dog-like humans and or not dog-like humans but uh canine humanoids i don't know why it took me so long to say those words uh there's the idea that christopher columbus might have encountered them there's saint christopher of catholic mythology and those are again things that i think tend to be allegorical i think they're kind of based more in the cultural references of the time where they originate how people maybe perceived foreigners and, and people of other societies but i lack the historical credentials to comment on that in detail i think i think one idea for them having been around and popped up so much in history is that maybe this is some kind of an archetype that we just carry around with us. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a, the whole idea of Carl Jung and the collective unconsciousness, which I, again, don't have the intelligence to summarize accurately, but this, maybe this is some common thing that's built into us all somehow. And occasionally it manifests itself and it pops up. I don't know. I'll never know the answer. I will die long before anyone figures <laughs> it out if they ever do, but it's so layered. There's so much to this phenomenon. We're really just getting started. Like this is, if Bigfoot research is in its infancy, Dogman research is, you know, mom and dad's first date. I don't know. <laughs> Still on the backseat of the Corvette. <laughs> yep. Basically. Just getting going. No. <laughs> Haven't even had our first fight yet. No. <laughs> That's so true. do you have a projected date of this um, new publication that you're working on there, sir? It will be early this year. Um, I am pretty much finished with it. And then it's just a matter of kind of working things out with the printer and uh, getting all the press stuff lined up. And um, fortunately, I'm going to read it and we're going to discuss this again. <laughs> oh, thank you. I'd love to. I'd love to. <laughs> I haven't done interviews in a while just because I've been so focused on trying to finish this book. And so this is fun. I could do this all day. All right. Fair um, warning. It, it'll it'll be soon. As soon as it comes out. <laughs> yeah, hit me up. You'll find me again. Very good. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it'll it'll be early this year, and it's going to come out very close to uh, Jason Hewlett's book about Ogopogo. Yeah. Um, the okay. precise title of which I cannot recall right now, and I'm embarrassed, <laughs> but I don't want to guess and get it wrong. But uh, Jason Hewlett is publishing a book with Small Town mm. Monsters Publishing on Ogopogo. So I do not know which will be first. Uh, I think he's probably more finished than I am because he's Jason Hewlett. So, but we'll see. <laughs> he's got his act together. That's for sure. Yeah. He knows what he's doing. <laughs> that is fair. He seems to have a plan. I do not No. <laughs> Cody, what else is on your list there, bud? Seeing you sitting there muted. It's just weird. Oh, I've just, cause I got kids running in and out. So I'm trying to oh. assert your dominance. <laughs> Tell them to go to their room. Oh, one of them's not feeling good, but she can tough it out outside <laughs> so yeah, you... <laughs> rub some dirt on it kid <laughs> seriously <laughs> my arms off <laughs> another one i don't know go back yeah i'm sorry you had backpedaled on some druidic traditions and i yeah 
So I was just thinking about all the things that I find really interesting right now that that are not necessarily mainstream conversations. Um, and I have a very, very close friend who is a druid, like is a part of a druidic order. And we when we talk, we'll talk about that stuff and I'll, I'll talk about UFOs and they will kind of talk about some of the druidic things that maybe there's some kind of a potential connection here. So but um that's not the same category. Those are not the same mm. things. Druidic traditions are something that are very deep and, and historically significant and very, very deeply held to some people. And I, I felt that I kind of casually threw all that stuff in the same box, which was not my intent. So, yeah. But, you know, it is an extremely interesting topic. And if you have the opportunity to study it or talk to someone who is knowledgeable, I highly recommend doing that. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. I mean, even when you mentioned it, I was like, oh, Jewish, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think we'd reference Spaceballs tonight, but here we are. Yeah. We can always reference Spaceballs. <laughs> Goodness gracious. Nice little aside here. This is embarrassing to admit. I saw Spaceballs before I saw Star Wars. So, oh. I know, real weird. My parents, blame them. I don't think that's wrong. Um <laughs> It's unusual. But you don't get ninety percent <laughs> of the references that no. way. I underst I understood it like five or six years later when I finally saw Star Wars. You're like, oh, I get it now. I had seen a lot of I had seen a lot of Star Trek parodies before I finally sat down and watched Star Trek in like my late twenties. So I feel that. I can see oh, that. You saw Galaxy Quest and then you were like, Okay, let's go watch Star Star Trek. Yeah. Precisely. Precisely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'd That's seen okay. a couple episodes, but I finally watched the entire series in the midst of a deep depression from ages 28 to 29. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was great. Yeah. <laughs> They're all tell us about the dark time in your life. Well, <laughs> I fell Just off my skateboard. Yeah. <laughs> it was the worst year of your life. Oh man. Let's roll the dice. No. <laughs> yeah. right. Goodness gracious. Cody, you had other things on your list. We want to get to those things. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So we're staying on, you know, Dogman. Um, I go back to this story. It was on ITF so many years ago. I think it's like, I actually used to know all the ITF numbers that were like Dogman related. I think this is like 181. Um, oh, gosh, I'm trying to think. It's, it's this guy, he's running. He used to do track and he's running. He lived out in the country, he's running down a dirt road, and he's got a cornfield on like his left. And as he's running, he can hear something running with them, but through the cornfield. And so he starts to pick up speed. When this thing's picking up speed, granted, it's running through the corn too, so it's got resistance on it. Of course, in the end, when he actually like tries to outrun it and turns around and catches a look of it, uh, you know, he he describes it as looking like Anubis. How how often have you come across that description there? At least three other times um, that I can think of. It came up a couple of times when I was talking to people for the Texas Dogman Triangle. Uh, uh, the judge over at the From the Shadows podcast, he had an encounter in Ohio, I believe. And that was a description that he used like Anubis. Uh, when he and you know, that, that, it, that, that probably was the one. I'm getting confused now. It was Ohio. Yeah, he's the judge. There you go. Oh, okay. Yeah. So yes. That's and that's hard. a story I find very compelling. Because again, you're talking about someone who has a career, who is respected, who is known, who's not, you know, does have something to lose by sharing what a lot of people would consider to be a pretty outlandish story. So, but yes, I've heard that description come up before. And I think it's it's another example of people trying to describe what they're seeing. I think it might be a lot of why the term werewolf comes up, because that's an archetype that we're familiar with. But Anubis is interesting because people don't generally think of Anubis as a werewolf. That's a jackal that's, you know, on a human body. People don't generally cross those things over until we start having this dogman werewolf conversation. So it's always interesting when that comes up in those descriptions. When I hear Anubis, I always wonder if the creature that they're seeing is just all black and that's what their brain is associating it with. Because otherwise, Anubis to me has that perfectly sculpted body with a dog head. Mm -hmm. So is that what they're seeing? A perfectly sculpted, you know, buff gym guy with a corgi head? I mean, 
Yeah, you, know? you got to wonder. Well, and, and descriptions of these things vary. The most common right. one and the one that you you see in most of the sketches and that you're going to see on, on uh, every one of my books is, is at least on the cover, is the pointed ears, the elongated mm -hmm. snout, very often the glowing eyes. I'm just right. looking over my own shoulder here trying to make sure I don't miss anything. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's what comes up again and again. But you do have descriptions where they describe it as looking like a Rottweiler. You get the hyena-like descriptions that came up right. a few minutes ago. Um, I've seen, and I don't put a ton of stock in these things just because the, it's it's the internet, but I've seen these little graphics floating around, and I'm sure you guys have seen them, that are like, you know, the eight different types of dog man. And there are all these like drawings and AI-generated images, and it's like mm. type one, type two. And I'm just like, okay, I can tell you at least regarding the areas I've studied that we do not have enough consistent eyewitness descriptions to put out a category list and say right. they all fit into this there is just not right. enough data to do that um right. at least not in the land between the lakes and at least not in texas so right that's a big assumption that's... too to say there are these 15 different types it's the same with bigfoot like if if bigfoot is real it's probably one thing like it's not 12 different relic hominoids across north america you know like that's that's not happening it's that's like different <laughs> what's that that's just such a wild concept, like 12 different species. You know, yeah, you know. right. Just variations on a theme. Like they can, you know, be like different coloring of squirrels, I think is what it would be really, if mm -hmm. anything. But yeah, yeah it's, just, it's, just, it's absurd to me to think not only is there a, a dog man, but B, there's these many different types. That's a huge leap in logic for me. Yeah. Personally. And that's the point that a lot of people will make when trying to separate the Bigfoot Dogman sightings. I think Michael Mays said this when I interviewed him for uh, the Dogman Triangle. Like, it's a big leap. I believe Mr. Lyle Blackburn said this as well. Um, it's kind of a big leap for anybody to believe that there's one big hairy human hominid out there. Mm -hmm. Never mind two. Like, never mind two different types, and we haven't managed to identify either one of them. So that's kind of one of the arguments for these things being misidentified Sasquatch. Mm -hmm. Um I think I've railed against that argument pretty heavily. And both of those gentlemen did say as well, but I don't know. Again, we have these reports, we have these descriptions. So, you know, right. Um, I forgot where I was going with that. <laughs> Speaking of, of, of reports and descriptions, one of my favorite reports is whenever the dogmen go from a prone position to the upright bipedal position and you hear the, what sounds like uh, popping, like bone popping almost like a back cracking sound as they go, which to me is just like, oh, that is so cool. They're getting ready to just... Well, no, that's the noise I make as a human when I get up from a prone position. I was just going to say, wait that's till you cool. get to my age, buddy. That's just called getting out of bed. <laughs> Crickety crack crack. I literally drive with my seat warmers on just so I can get out of my car when I get home. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm not gonna. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it, Cody, that is an interesting point. It's like the American werewolf in London kind yeah. of quick transformation where it's they're adjusting their bones somehow. It's 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 and a I've, cool I've read reports of people hearing the cracks. Like I, I know I was joking, but I have read some reports like that too. That does come up a lot. Yeah. yeah. I will say again, and I, I I hate to keep saying, well, in Texas, but that's just where I've spent <laughs> a lot of time looking into this stuff. Um, that's not something I saw come up a lot in the Texas reports, at least not the mm -hmm. ones that I've had the opportunity to research. I right. I Land Between the Lakes is tough because there's so much conjecture and there's so much discussion and there's so much online. It's really hard to say what is and is not a part of the actual phenomena there and what is just a result of the internet being obsessed with the beast of the LBL. Um, right. So that's a tough one. I didn't hear that come up a lot when I was there talking to people, but it was mentioned. And Linda Godfrey mentions it in her books. You know, it does come up a lot mm -hmm. as to what that is. Like, is that more biological? Is that like joints popping? Like, like we crack our knuckles i don't know why that would be the case or again is this is is this some kind of spectral thing that we just can't understand and like maybe it is actually changing its shape right in front of these witnesses who report that i don't know dude i don't know right and their brains are just making it what they can believe within their own mm -hmm. belief system yeah, it could be a misperception, yeah. you know, say this thing is moving through the underbrush and it's moving very quickly um, and it's stepping on branches and cracking logs, which we do hear talk about that as well. Um, maybe in that split second moment, 10 to 30 seconds that they see it, and I'm speaking in very general terms, this isn't a specific case, um, 
their mind is perceiving oh the bones are cracking and moving i i don't know that's just speculation on my part but right right well that i was reading um the phenomenal sasquatch um and yeah by matt pruitt and he was talking about having supernatural attributions for known creatures like either early in their discovery or before they were officially discovered it's like tigers had supernatural things they were supposed to do um gorillas did the same thing like there are all of these things that are attached to um known species that obviously they don't do so a lot mm-hmm. of this could also be mis- you know misattributing something supernatural to something completely normal or you know not even supernatural or paranormal so that, that's yeah. just something i keep in mind too yeah then that that could be one of the argument for these things being an unidentified species or mm. or maybe something new that is developing or something that again has popped up throughout history but not consistently enough that we can conclusively identify it um you know if you think about the first time if you've been to a zoo and gotten up close to a gorilla through a pane of glass that's pretty weird yeah like that's kind of a weird experience it's very uncanny because you see pictures and video of these things and then you actually get in front of it and it, it's your brain does something different. So then transpose that into an animal that is not even supposed to exist, is not even supposed to be there. Mm-hmm. Maybe our human mind with our limited frame of reference and our limited perception of reality takes that weird animal and morphs it into something supernatural. Maybe. Like I'm not Maybe. I'm not saying that's the case and you're not going to hear me try to contradict the testimony of anybody who says, you know, I experienced this and I'm convinced that it was supernatural. That's not what I'm here to do. It's right. just an, an element of that phenomenon that, like you said, it's, it's something to be considered. Mm-hmm. Cody, you look like you got something else there, bud. I can go all night. <laughs> You're the one with notes, you man. Get some in there if you want. Um, Cody's been hearing me scream about werewolves in group chat since before this book was a thing. So there we go. He, we, he, yeah. knows, he knows how to keep me going on this topic. And then the land between the lakes. Now, that's something I want to say. I might have heard Seth mention that like two or three years ago, wanting to do a piece on the land between the lakes. And now you guys are actually doing it you were actually out there um i mean don't don't give us any spoilers or anything but what do you think yeah it's it's a deeply strange place um even if you don't account for the supernatural and and cryptid phenomena that's supposed to be associated with it um it's a very strange place it has a very strange and colorful history um as far as European settlers are concerned, dating back to the 16, 1700s. But then, you know, it was a Native American uh, hunting ground long before that. Um, When the land between the lakes was formed, and again, this isn't any kind of spoiler. This is just something that's out there that anybody can learn with a quick Google. You know, tons and tons of people were displaced from their homes. So a lot of these homes were left behind. Cemeteries are now underwater because it used to be the land between the rivers, but it was flooded to create the land between the lakes. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have all these places that are abandoned, that are in various states of decay. And then you have parts that were set up as outdoor recreation areas that have since been abandoned and are in different states of decay. So that alone is just very strange. It's in, in that way, it's a very liminal space. You know, if you've ever wandered into the wing of a Walmart that's under construction where you weren't supposed to be, amplify (laughs) that feeling times 10,000. And it's deeply strange. But then when you start looking into, you know, the story of the LBL massacre or, you know, the ghost sightings that are so prevalent over there, the Sasquatch activity, which that could be three books on its own. Wiser Mm -hmm. minds than I are probably already working on that, probably already have done it. Um, It is just such a strange area. And so that going there and seeing that place and actually standing in the environment. Um, there were a few times that I took out my audio recorder and just recorded nothing because I, I wanted to like capture a little bit of that moment and describe yeah. it later. That was the coolest, one of the coolest parts of this whole experience. And I, I went on a tangent again there, but it's weird, bro. It's weird over there. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that far from where I am. And I've, I've considered doing a day trip up there because I'm, I'm middle Tennessee. So it's, you know, a few hours. And I know, um, yeah, you guys were filming with Martin Groves and Daryl Denton up that way. And I, I know Daryl. I mean, I met Martin at um, Crypticon recently, but Daryl and I have talked last couple of years online. So it's, it's cool to see that their story is going to be highlighted. And 
put out yeah. there. So, so I'm excited about that too. Yeah. And Martin had spoken with us before I say us, but again, this was before my time yeah. um, for American the collective. Yeah. That's, that's, that's how I like to think of it. <laughs> um, I was a fan, so maybe that counts. Uh, sorry, just, just got an Amber alert. It's not, not my, not my son. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> excuse me. Um, Martin had spoken with the crew during uh, American werewolves one. And I believe that was, if it wasn't the first time they'd been to the land between the lakes, I believe it was the most recent time before this. Um, so getting to go back and talk to him again for a lot of the crew for the first time for me, I had spoken with him a few times, but this was the first time we'd actually met up to sit down and talk to this stuff. That's an incredible experience, you know, hearing his story because he's such a fascinating guy and he speaks with the most sincerity. Like if I'm making a scale of all the people I've interviewed and spoken to, and I think I'm crossing 150 at this point since I started doing this stuff just across different projects. And if I'm making a scale of people who seem to be the most credible and the most sincere, he's he's ranking at the top in both of those charts, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah, I, I talked to him for maybe 20 minutes at Crypticon and I came away from that conversation like he has this warmth about him and this honesty and humility. Like it was just I, I've never been in around someone like that. Mm-hmm. So I I you have to believe what he's saying. Like you, there's there's not an ounce of untruth in that man. I don't feel like. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And again, going back to the human experience, man, I'm so glad you mentioned that early on. When you talk to someone like that who believes what they are telling you, mm-hmm. who has nothing to gain and honestly quite a bit to lose by coming forward and saying, I saw a werewolf in 1993, you know, that means something. That mm-hmm. means something. So, Well, that's that's my – when I look at everything, quote-unquote, paranormal, is the experiencer going to benefit from this in some way? Like you mm-hmm. have to take that into account. Are they going to have book deals, movie deals? Are they getting money, talk show appearances? Is that at the heart of the reason why they're re- reporting this? Or are they staying anonymous? Are they blacked out on screen? Do they want their voice altered? Like that, that's so much more uh, believable to me than someone who's out there with their face on it all the time. So Absolutely. Yeah. I pray to God I never have an overwhelmingly significant paranormal experience and I can stay on the outside. Like I've been asked that a few times and I think that's where I stand now. Hopefully mm-hmm. not. Hopefully I don't see one of these things because nobody's going to believe me, you know, and at, that, at that point, it's no longer, Oh, I just write books about this stuff at that point. It's wow. well, of course he wants us to think he saw one. I hope to God, I never see one of these things. Yeah. Well, no, Every time I go home to Michigan and I'm walking those trails behind my dad's <laughs> house, that's all state land over there by the lake over there. And it's, there's no, the, the only human there's a campground across the lake and then my dad's little community of like 20 houses are the only houses on this lake right and every time i'm back there i'm like i'm gonna be the one to see something back here my family's had this property since 1947 and i'm gonna be the one that gets eaten by dog man or bigfoot or <laughs> as long as that proves it i'm okay with your sacrifice Say you'll you'll be legendary Mm-hmm. And it's like just record it, please. Please yeah. record it. But I don't want I've always said that girl. about aliens. I don't want to meet one. I want to see it from a safe distance distance. Exactly. Well, yeah. I think we talked about this last time we we recorded or when Easton was on. You know, I I so desperately want there to be a Bigfoot. Like I, I want to believe, and I know if I was the guy who said he saw one driving down a back road in the hills. No one's going to believe me because I want it too bad. Because you want to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's how in I the think. Community, they wouldn't believe us. Yeah. And I think that's how a lot of us as researchers assess these cases. Like you said, does this person have something to gain? What is this person's track record? Did they have an interest in the subject matter before? Mm-hmm. And one of the things that researchers love to cite, myself included, is whether or not this person had an interest in this stuff prior to having this experience. And maybe that's not fair because it's kind of inevitable that there are going to be people who are interested in the subject matter that have experiences. I mean, just because of numbers and the number of people there are in the world. (laughs) So maybe that's not fair, but it's also kind of natural. And I think it's a part of the skeptical process that we all have to go through. So I also pay attention to how they tell the story because I've interviewed people where I can see and feel the PTSD in their voice from what they encountered. So no matter what I believe, they believe what they're telling me. And there's certain people that you can tell that when they're talking to you, you know, 
Maybe they didn't see what they thought they said, but mm-hmm. that does, that precludes nothing because they believe it on such a visceral level that you can feel it. Now, those people, I believe beyond all doubt that whether or not whatever that they saw something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, they and believe that they I pay real you. attention to that too when I'm talking to people because that and the, you know, something to gain. Mm-hmm. Because there are unfortunately exploiters and scammers. And as much as I say hoaxes and exploiters are just as important for our community as the real stuff is, just because they are. It's a part of it. I have a whole mm-hmm. theory on that. I won't go into it. But, no, I mean, I'm with you there. There's a whole conversation gotta, about the value of hoaxes. Yeah, yeah, there's, you know, there's value to all of it. But I really, that's the one thing I, I really do pay attention to. Well, the two things. A, what are, are they actually trying to gain from this? Are they doing little press tours? Are they, what are they doing? Like, what are they doing with this? B, if it's paranormal, are they associated with the Warrens in any sort of way? Because get out of my face. <laughs> B, how they tell me their story. How, the how is so important. I don't know. I don't know. If well, I think if you're, if you're a good reader of people, you can tep- typically tell when someone is not, you know, not outright lying, but maybe, you know, uh, exaggerating or, or right. making embellishing. Story. embellishing. Yeah. But there are some logical leaps, maybe. If yeah. It's, whenever <clears throat> for me, a line is like, if it's not what I saw or what I felt, it's what I think it all means. Like once they're taking leaps to conclusions and I'm like, all right, you kind of right, lost right. me here, but sorry, I cut you off. Yeah. Sorry. No, it's it's oh. like the, uh, the phrase ancient alien theorists believe like that's a shorthand to me for just bullshit. Like that's really what it is. So it's, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's just how I view it. <laughs> what, what, speculation. I don't like speculation like that. No, me either. I like just the facts, man. Just the facts. facts. I enjoy chasing those maybes. And, and there is quite a bit of that in this book. I think there was quite a bit of it in my first one, but I think it's important to frame those maybes with but we don't actually know because when i pick up a book and there's tons of them i think i'm closing on 300 books in my paranormal book collection right now and i have quite a few where the author wants to tell you unequivocally what these things mean um and and i immediately check out again once it gets Mm -hmm. to that point i'm all about the ideas let's talk about what this could mean but until we can scientifically examine this stuff which requires repeatable empirical data that can be recorded and and peer-reviewed and and repeated again and again and again music to my ears (laughs) we we can't say what this stuff is yeah yeah Mm -hmm. i'm with you guys there yeah i mean i believe but i also want it like the proof like that's you know i get it 100 percent agree Mm -hmm. yeah I always enjoyed the encounters of like the, the the witness encounters of witnesses that didn't realize that they just witnessed something that like, you know, it, it, it raises a question in their mind, but it doesn't, it doesn't like really register. It could be like hours later for these witnesses to be like, you know, and you, you hear a lot of it, especially in the UFO witness community, like, did I just see that? Did I just see something in the sky and then it just vanish and stuff like that? And then you you even hear the same with like even Bigfoot encounters um, mm-hmm. where, the, you know, they always say, well, why didn't you take a picture? You had a camera phone, you had this or that. A lot of people don't even know like what what's going on that they even need to take a picture. They just they just don't understand it mm-hmm. um, at that time. Do you have any encounters kind of similar to that that? that you could share that, that you might've picked up in your investigations or studies or what? Yeah. Research. There you go. There's another Dang, word. Dude, you always come in with the good questions because <laughs> actually, actually the, the encounter story that set me on this whole being interested in dogman werewolf stuff. Um, I guess we're coming up on, gosh, when did I start doing this stuff? Oh my God, about three years ago <laughs> um, was was one of those. I had just kind of gotten really deep into the paranormal documentaries. It was becoming a daily hobby for me instead of, and the podcasts and the books and the following and interacting with people on Instagram. Like it was very much an, an all day thing. This was before I had a, a child. Um, and I had watched the Small Town Monsters documentary. The, right, that's where we all end up. If, that's where we start. And I think that's we where we'll all, all die. That. 
but <laughs> I'll die on this Instagram feed. Um, but I had just watched the Bray Road Deuce from, uh, <laughs> um, I just watched the Bray Road Bees from Small Town Monsters, and I was uh, speaking with a relative uh, through my wife's side of the family, um, and just kind of getting generally caught up, you know, and and I was like, oh, dude, I just watched this documentary about real werewolves, and, and uh, I expected him to laugh. He didn't laugh, and I showed him the picture that I had on my, or, you know, I had it saved on my phone for some reason, of the poster from that movie. I believe Sam Sheeran did that one, and uh he looks at it for a second and he goes, I'm not even shitting you. I saw something that looked like that. And we talked for about an hour. Um, and I went into full blown interviewer mode. It was, I got time and date and like general location and, <laughs> and I'm putting notes into my phone. And this was before Sarah and I had even started our podcast. Hey, strangeness. Mm-hmm. Um, or at the very beginning, it was either the very beginning or before we started it. So I wasn't like, now it's not uncommon for people to that i know or people that i'm meeting for the first time to be like you know oh yeah i had a weird experience once and and share it we'll have a cool conversation about it that wasn't something that happened back then because i wasn't you know a guy that had written a book about werewolves at that point (laughs) so that was the one that really set me on this path cody because you know he was like, I didn't know what I had, what I saw. I still don't know to this day what I saw, but I definitely didn't know that dog man was a thing. I didn't know that this was a recurring phenomena. And actually that gentleman makes an appearance in uh, the dog man triangle film very early on. There's a gentleman that Shannon and I call on the phone who goes by Trent in the movie. That's, that's who that person is. Um, yeah. Hey, I remember that. And for, for you guys that don't know, Aaron started off with the podcast, Hey Strangeness, and I started following Hey Strangeness, and I listened to a couple of podcasts, and I thought he was such the interesting character that him and his wife, they they go on these vacations or road trips, and they don't like go to like Vegas to go party, get drunk, and gamble. They, they well, went to like Six Flags, New Orleans. I didn't even know this thing existed. <laughs> it was like it was an abandoned amusement park. Y'all, y'all were taking pictures of that, and then y'all were going over here to the Devil's Dance Hall in San Antonio. And uh, <laughs> yes, and, uh, that is an evolving saga. Oh, so interesting. Oh, yeah. wait, okay. Well, then I because I haven't heard anything about that in so long since since you were covering that thing. Did yeah. they, did they, did they tear down the building or they? No, it's actually more interesting than that. So. Um, quick rundown of the story the dancing devil of san antonio in case someone may have not heard this one um is a kind of a local folk tale and it's replicated in other areas uh or there are similar versions of it but a girl was told by her parents or her mother don't go out on the town don't go dancing tonight she did it anyway um a man came in and danced with her and it turned out that he was the devil the local san antonio version is that it took place on halloween night in 1975 at a very specific address um and my wife's mother owned a home uh down the street like two blocks down from this building for many 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 years it was a family home so this is just a place that's known in town it's down off old highway 90 which today is enrique barrera parkway over on the west side of town um but the idea was that this is where this creature or entity or shape-shifting guy had shown up and kind of the defining feature is that he was very handsome he was wearing a white suit but he had chicken's feet instead of human feet (laughs) or in some versions he has goat hooves it seems to vary um and there are actually a couple of different versions if you dig into san antonio discussion groups that well actually it was this nightclub or actually it was this nightclub but the most common one seems to be this place that was at the time called el cameroncito which means the little shrimp um and it was closed and reopened it went through several incarnations for a number of years for a long time it was a strip club called the 411 a few years ago <laughs> yeah, again my, my yeah 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 again my, my wife's mother lightest <laughs> right now hold on i know all of this because i i drove past it almost every mm-hmm. day for mm-hmm. seven years before my wife and i moved in together so just saying but i should have kept the name the little shrimp <laughs> should have <laughs> 
<laughs> but for uh about two years ago they did some demolition they tore out some walls now it is a restaurant grocery store it's a la michoacana meat market so my whole point of all of that that little slice of san antonio history is that this purportedly haunted location where the devil is supposed to show up is now a place that anybody can just go in and check out anytime they like um you know support a local business buy some tacos but for a very long time it was a derelict building that was boarded and chained up nobody could go mm -hmm. and you got a brick right I do. I have a cinder block from El Cambroncito, at least from the period when it was the 411 or whatever it was, because yeah. it was knocked out and they left a huge pile of cinder blocks by the road for like a month. I kept driving past them and I was like, bro, I want. So I, I do have a cinder block from from the Dancing Devils nightclub. Yes. That's oh, I'm totally going to go there now. It's because La La Mijicana, I mean, that's just that's my go buy a taco, here. Cody. Maybe you'll get a taco from the devil. It was their 420th location at time of opening. Uh -huh. 420th, 420. It used to be Tacos. a big lightest 411 strip. Devil. And sorry, I'm, I'm not, never going to let that. I did not know it was a 411 strip club. And now I'm just loving this. It's a, it's a really interesting piece of local history. And that's what I love about this stuff is that you learn about all this history and all this, this, this weird all these weird things that you really wouldn't probably find out about if you weren't digging into something paranormal. You know, I happen to know about this building just from being in the neighborhood, but I didn't realize it had all this stuff associated with it until I started researching it. So <laughs> dancing devil, the dancing devil. <laughs> I thought you were about to say something about a donkey show. And I thought, Cody, this is not the time. <sighs> not the time, Cody. I'm just trying to connect show. the dots. <laughs> Club and we doing the donkey lady down south of town. <laughs> we do i actually haven't gone down there either which i maybe should admit sure. publicly um <laughs> but yeah yeah down on old apple white road we have the donkey lady bridge isn't that the one that's supposed to push your car or whatever it is that's, no that's 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 the train tracks the ghost tracks yeah san antonio be haunted af bro cody what else is on your list what you got bud we're, we're relying on you for the yeah my <laughs> list is done i asked all, right. all my questions all, right, all i did was read the book I that's all I'm good <laughs> it's going to be Monster Fest to the Electric Rougarou. Yeah. Ooh, I like that. I'm going to pitch that to Courtney. Maybe it's not too late to get the poster updated. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. Easton actually yeah. did the Monster Fest 2 poster. So if he were here, I could I could have oh. told him, hey, oh, no, shit. I couldn't just... tell him that. I don't have the authority to do that at all. Oh, he'll go ahead and do it. <laughs> not oh. even remotely do I have the uh, authority to. Do that. like a, like a break dancing Rougarou. I'll awful. see if he'll make an alternate for it. <laughs> Go ahead and message him. So you're gonna you're gonna be speaking, correct, at the Monster Fest too? Yeah, I am doing a workshop with my good friend Heather Mosier, um, oh, which will be kind of a she's so fantastic you guys yeah. i was going back through your feed I and her. i was like so many of my friends have been on this fantastic show and there's heather um mm -hmm. i think october last year but yeah heather and i are doing a workshop together on kind of just the process of researching and creating things in the paranormal community um not to tell anybody how to do their jobs but just to kind of share some of what we've learned over the last few years heather knows much much more than i do um, but it's really more just, I hope, going to be an, uh, an opportunity for people to interact and share ideas and talk through this stuff. And then um, Hey Strangeness is currently scheduled to do a live podcast recording, I think. Cool. I know Courtney and I talked about it, but it's been a little while. So we'll see. Um, and those are the two things that I believe I'm doing directly, but I'll be around throughout. The we'll be end. there. I'll be there. It's my one, my one event of the year. I venture out for. Apparently. Oh, so. <laughs> I'm excited. I'm excited yeah. to see you. I'll also be speaking at the uh, Smoky Mountain Bigfoot Conference. Um, also with my good friend Heather Mosier on this very topic on the topic of Dogman That's, in July. So, I was yeah, about July to say. 27th, something like that. Mm -hmm. Yes. Wait, July Where's 20... that one at? The July 27th one. I I think it's the 26th and 27th, but. Mm -hmm. Google yeah, I got Smoky it in my Mountain calendar. Bigfoot conference to make sure I'm not wrong. Oh, okay. There yeah, it's three hours from my house. That's why I put it in there. Oh, yeah, Where dude. specifically is it at? I'm sorry. It's I'm just saying, my birthday's the 24th. So like my brain's already thinking like where specifically is that one? Gallenberg, Eastern Tennessee. Oh, that's not too far from me. It's next to Dollywood. It's not too far. It's not it's not <laughs> that bad. Sometimes being down way down here, you know, in resort land, Florida makes it hard to get up to any of the Midwestern events, you know, but um. 
that's just awful close to my birthday. That would do it. I don't know. Hmm. I don't know. Little brain's going. (laughs) 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 But thank you so, so much. Is there anything else that you want to add, though, Aaron? Anywhere you're going to be? Anything you want to push? Yeah. I'm going to edit this and drop it next week. So since it's a promo. Yeah. Yeah. Just Uh um, anything I'm doing is likely over at the Small Town Monsters social media feed. Um, If it's not something I'm working on directly, I'm definitely posting about it because that's part of my job. So (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm on Instagram at Hey Strangeness. You're welcome to follow me. You can shoot me an email, Aaron at smalltownmonsters.com. But yeah, the, the, the big thing I'm really focused on right now that we're all really hyped about is the Kickstarter campaign. We have yep. till March the 2nd. So um, the higher that goal goes, the more people we get to send all these awesome rewards out to and the more stuff we get to offer. So I'm going to put the Kickstarter link folks in our show notes. Again, this should be dropped next Friday. I'm not sure on the date on that. What is Thank that? You. The, 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 it's 17th. like the 17th. Yeah. 17th. Yeah. So, um, that way it'll hit in with, you know, hit in your time limit. So sign up folks, I'm telling you. And again, you can get your name in the credits and you can give them any name you want. Could be farts Make it McGee. weird. Make mama proud, people. Make mama proud. <laughs> yeah. You could be you could be flavor shake McGillicuddy for all we know. Whatever uh, you want to be. Whatever you want. Now is the time to be who you've always dreamed of being on the mm-hmm. big screen. What kind of dream is it? That's a that's a beautiful dream. You will be in movies by definition. Small town monsters making movies. dreams come true. That's right. Beautiful. Yeah. That's right. It's a great way to end it. It is. Yeah. Thanks again, Aaron. Thank you guys. Bye, this is so much fun. Yeah, this is so much, so fun. much. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I've done a lot of these over the last couple of years just with the book and different things, and I love doing them. That's not, mm-hmm. this is not a complaint at all. But some are more fun than Thank others. you for joining us. Uh, we hope your journey was enlightening. Remember to click subscribe on your podcatcher of choice. If you are in need of more content, please visit us on social media, Spooks, Creeps, and Assorted Devilry, where we perform daily after miracles. If that's not enough, you can find Spooks, Creeps merchandise on Redbubble and Big Cartel. Until next time, be sure to wave your freak flag high, and we will find you. <laughs>